This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Well, good afternoon. Inadequate is a word that comes to my mind. After hearing so many amazing stories and huge challenges and the passion in the room uh, from so many people, there's a sense of inadequacy. What can I do? What what am I going to take away from here? And so what we would like to do is, in this last panel, just talk to us as individuals and give us a sense of what, what can we do. And we want to come with the flavor of kindness. And so I have just a A question that was asked of me, Uh, I won't ask it of you, but the question was, then what good are you? Now, I'd like you to say that with me, would you? Then what good are you? Now, that's going to be a part of my story in just a minute. I'm going to have you say it, and don't worry, you'll know right where it comes. I was uh, in my, uh, getting my master's degree. And I was in an internship at UCLA Medical Center and working in the chaplain's office. And I got a call early on a Monday morning and uh, I needed to go to the emergency room. A high school senior, uh, he was just a few months away from a place like this, uh, coming and graduating and going to college, had been surfing in Malibu before school. A wave had crashed him into the sand, and he was being uh, flown by helicopter to the medical center emergency room with concerns about his neck. Uh, As I walked in the back door of the emergency room, he was coming down an elevator from the uh, roof, And his father walked in the front door of the emergency room. The chaplain's job is in the emergency room is to greet family, loved ones, help uh, care for them, uh, comfort them, perhaps pray with them. And I sought to engage him that way. And he had just one question for me. Can you get me the x-rays? By the way, he was a neck and spine surgeon. I knew there was no way I could get him the x-rays. After all, I was, uh, it, we were, he had sent it just come in. There weren't any x-rays yet. And, if they, and when they were taken, it would be some time before a parent would be able to see them. Uh, but I, I tried. I, I looked around. I tried to make an effort. And I tried to engage him. And he asked me a couple more times, uh, can you get me the x-rays? And finally, I had to say to him, I'm sorry, sir. I can't. And he said, then what good are you? And he had no idea that that would send me into a tailspin. I was asking the same question. What good am I? In a hospital, a chaplain, what people want is healing. They They want God to do something in their life. And if I can't make that happen, what good am I? And if I can't, if I'm no good in a hospital, what good am I anywhere? By Friday afternoon, I had an answer to his question. No good at all. I was headed home uh, on Friday afternoon, and I wasn't coming back on Monday. I was quitting the program. And if I quit the program, I wouldn't get my master's. I wouldn't be able to get the job. I didn't know what my family would say or my friends, certainly not my wife. 
but I wasn't coming back. And I turned the last corner to head to the parking lot, and someone else coming from the parking lot turned the corner the other way, and we ran right into each other. And it was that father. And we both stepped back, and I looked into his eyes, and I thought I would see anger, and instead they were red with tears. And I mustered up the last of my compassion as a leaving chaplain and said, all of us have been praying for you and your son. And then I almost winced because I was afraid to get another comeback. And instead he said, that's all any of us can do now. And then he wrapped his arms around me and gave me a hug. And not just a man hug that you pat each other on the back, but he grabbed me in a bear hug. And I hugged him back. And then his shoulders began to shake as he cried and as I cried. And people gave us privacy in the middle of a hallway that only happens in hospitals. And then we separated. And I wish I could tell you what happened to his son, but you know, all the laws and confidentiality chaplains just often don't find out and I don't know what happened and I never saw that father again but on my way to my car I heard a voice in my head not audible and I don't think it was my own words because it was speaking to me and it said this is what good you are you are my arms when I want to hold someone You are my mouth when I want to say a word of kindness. And you are my eyes when I want to cry with someone. And I went home. And I came back on Monday. And 20 years later, whatever care I've given to anyone, whatever comfort I've offered or help I've given, I owe some of that to that father who did an act of kindness at just the right moment, and it changed my life. Now, I think it was huge, but enormous, but actually it was very simple. It was something any of us can do. It was a kind word and a hug at the right moment. I want to encourage all of us. What do we take away from here? An act of kindness, a a kind word, a hug, a note, a text, a tweet, an email, something, a phone call. Maybe before you get to your car, but it'll make us feel better. But sometimes when it's at the right moment, it can change a life. So that's my takeaway. Let's be kind to the stranger in particular, perhaps after today but to everyone we meet, to be intentional about it. So we're going to give you, thank you. So I am so delighted, and Nyla, thank you for allowing all of us to be here. And I'm going to introduce to you to friends of mine, and each of them is going to take a minute and share with you something about how we might be kind. So I want to introduce you to Nicole Phillips, Nicole Phillips uh, is a champion for using kindness to overcome all of life's difficulties, including her own battle with breast cancer. 
She spreads the message of the healing power of kindness as host of the weekly NPR show, The Kindness Podcast. And through her weekly column, Kindness is Contagious, which runs in newspapers in North Dakota and Minnesota, and uh, as a regular guest on Hallmark Channel's Home and Family Show. She's the author of two books, Kindness is Contagious and Kindness is Courageous. Nicole? Thank you, Neil. I'm a little like Neil. I'm incredibly humbled to be here today because I don't ever see myself as a change maker. I see myself who is very interested, though, in investing in future change makers. And so it leads the question, how do I do that? How do I invest in other people to help them become change makers? And I think it has to do with becoming healthy ourselves. And healthy can mean a lot of different things. But for me, uh, well, when I was about 10 years old, my mom, brilliant woman, got a job teaching in a men's prison. And, and she fell in love with the prison inmate. So every other weekend when I was with my mom, we would go to the men's prison and we would visit her boyfriend. And so by the time I was in fifth grade, I was the flower girl for the first time in my life in my mom's prison chapel wedding. Now, as a kid, I actually thought it was really cool. (laughs) I got to do something none of my friends got to do. But as I got older, the shame took hold, and this feeling of abandonment took hold. And I took that from my childhood all the way into my adulthood. So eight years ago, I was on the edge of what anyone would call an alcoholic. I was a drinker, a smoker, an overeater. I was angry at my husband all the time, which was really a tragedy because I had everything I had ever wanted. Three beautiful babies. We lived in a nice house. My husband was good to me. And yet life felt passionless and pointless and mundane. It was something to be endured. And that's what I felt on the day that I went to the Fargo, North Dakota public pool. Now, if you've ever been to Fargo, you know they have exactly one warm day every year. (laughs) And everybody goes to the public pool. So that's what I did. I loaded up my children and we went into the public pool. My daughter was seven, my son was five, and my little one was one and a half. And my seven-year-old found the one open lounge chair next to a girl with long blonde hair, about 17 years old, in a shiny gold bikini. Now, this shouldn't matter to me, but you know what? Inside, I have this inner meanie that kind of likes to judge other people. And the inner meanie in me was looking at her in a shiny gold bikini and me in my mom's suit. It starts up here, and it goes all the way down to the floor. You laugh because you have one, right? Right? You just cover everything up and head to the pool. I noticed that my one-and-a-half-year-old was sharing Cheerios with the one-and-a-half-year-old that gold bikini girl was there watching. And it was cute, licking and sharing and sharing and licking and ugh. And I noticed Gold Bikini Girl started to do sign language with this little girl. And I thought, this is the world's best babysitter. I'm going to get her number because if I can get her number and get her to babysit for me, I can figure out what I can do to be happy. Just at that moment, my one-and-a-half-year-old looks across the pool, and he sees a woman with flippy hair, and she was wearing a mom suit. And he started to scream, Mommy, 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 like, that's my mommy. And so I'm all concerned. No, 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 no. I'm your mommy. I'm your mommy. Gold Bikini Girl starts to giggle. And she said that happened to us just the other day. Little Gigi was looking out 
our apartment window, she saw a woman with blonde hair getting into a car across the street, and she started to yell, Mommy, Mommy. My heart sank because this wasn't the world's best babysitter. This was the mom. And she had far fewer resources than I had, and she had a smaller support system than I had, and she was doing a much better job. Because when she walked into that pool that day, she got to walk into that pool that day, and she got to spend the day with her daughter. When I schlepped my three children and everything they own, it was because I had to get the kids out of the house. I was doing it out of duty, not delight. We had a great conversation, and we walked out to the parking lot after that day, and I got into my brand-new minivan. She got into a compact car that had seen many previous owners, and something in my heart told me to stop and give her some money, and I hadn't heard that voice before, but I reached into my purse. I pulled out everything I had, three $20 bills, and I walked up to her, and I said, you inspired me today. You... You are going to be a great catalyst for change in this community along with your daughter. And I just, I'm so glad I got to meet you. And I verbally vomited all over her shoes and then gave her kind of, you know, threw three wadded up $20 bills at her. She started to cry. She gave me a hug. She got into her car with enough money to fill up the gas tank a few times, maybe take her kid to McDonald's. I got into my car with a high unlike anything I had ever experienced from any bad decision I had ever made before. And I thought if everyone knew what this felt like, everyone would want to try it, and kindness would be contagious. So I wrote down that story. I sent it into the publisher of our newspaper in Fargo, North Dakota, and I said, will you let me write about kindness? Have people send in their stories so I can share them. And they said, sure. That was eight years ago. I still write that column every Friday. It runs in newspapers in North Dakota and Minnesota, as Neil said. We turned it into two books. After that, the Kindness Podcast came about. But here's what happened. Within one year of meeting Gold Bikini Girl, within one year of being intentional and systematic, of looking for the kindness around me, seeing what other people were doing to be kind to me and ways in which I could be kind to others, I had totally quit drinking. I had quit smoking. I lost 30 pounds. I re-fell in love with my husband, who it turns out is a really great guy. (laughs) And I became grateful. And now I'm in a position of power. Because now, just like all of you, when you get to that point where you are healthy enough to see the kindness around you, then you can invest in the future change makers. Because the life that you transform with kindness isn't somebody else's first. First, it's your own. Thank you so much for having me here today. Thank you so much, Nicole. So let me introduce you to Jock Spitzer. He's the founder and CEO of Raindrop, a company right here in San Diego, an Emmy Award-winning multi-million dollar branding and advertising firm, uh, having created a thriving culture of 50 millennial team members. Uh, Raindrop has enjoyed over uh, 90% retention rate over the past decade. That means people don't leave. They're doing something right. And uh, Jock is uh, the author of People Love of turkey sandwiches, which is 
an interesting title, and uh, has a four-year-old son and has been uh, honored to be best man in seven weddings. So you probably have some good advice. Uh, I'm actually here to give a wedding toast. Uh, No, I'm not. Um, First of all, um, I'm honored to even be up here. Um, I am in the beginning parts of my journey of life. And what I wanted to share today is just something that has been really important to me in my journey. I actually went here to UCSD. Yeah. And, um, and, and I was so grateful for my education here because I got a degree in communications and I am using that degree now, but I've always said, I didn't learn what to think. I learned how to think, um, coming to this university. And that's really important because what I'm going to tell you is I started a business. Um, I had no formal background in marketing and I started a marketing agency. I had no formal background in how to manage anyone, and now I'm responsible for the well-beings of 50, soon to be 60 people. And so my journey with kindness has been really interesting. Um, I, I just want to see a, a quick show of hands. How many of you are striving to be kind? just want to see your hands. Okay, I am with you, right? I'm striving to be kind. Um, you know, I was actually driving up here today, and I, and I, was re- I rem- remembered, I was like, how far back does this go? And I, I remembered that... Um, for our high school newspaper, or sorry, not newspaper, but um, the yearbook, I was nominated as one of the sweetest guys in school. Um, I didn't, I, I, I was only nominated. Tim, uh, a guy named Tim was actually the sweetest guy. Um, but, uh, and then my brother, who's sitting right here, ended up being a best all-around male his senior year. So um, all that to be said, I, I've I've always wanted to strive to be kind um, in my relationships. And so it's been really interesting to, um, to grow as someone uh, doing my best to be kind and lead. Um, and what's been a part of that journey is understanding that um, I need to know that clear is kind. And so that's a Brene Brown quote. The second part of it is unclear is unkind. Um, but what that looks like is when you are hoping to form a relationship with people and help them grow, um, let's say you have a team member um, on your team, let's say in the workplace, and you aren't giving very direct feedback because, you know, you kind of give it in a soft, muddled way. Well, that unclarity, usually to make yourself feel better, is unkind. Um, you know, having expectations for people that you aren't clear about up front, uh, because you're worried that those expectations might feel like too much, but then in your mind, holding them accountable or being disappointed with the performance is unkind. Or saying things about people rather than to people is unkind. And so I feel like my journey with kindness has been one of meaning really, really well, right? Having these team members who I know are doing really good work, really trying and feeling like, well, I don't want to point out areas for them to, to grow because I don't want them to feel like I don't value them or don't appreciate how hard they're working. And what I realized was that I was robbing them all along of the opportunity to grow. So I want to do another poll here with a show of hands. If, if someone had something to tell you uh, that would help you to grow, meaning constructive feedback in your life, either a loved one, a family member, or even a coworker. How many of you would want to know? So I want you to look around. I, keep them up. 
because I want you to look around. I actually am stealing this because my life changed when someone else asked this kind of question. And I was like, you're right. Why am I holding this back from, from people? Why am I robbing them of the opportunity to grow? So um, that to me is sort of a, another layer of kindness because kindness for me, I think I always thought of it was, it was being nice. It was being pleasant. It was complimenting people and smiling. And all those things are true. That's part of kindness. But I started realizing what, what kindness looked like beyond that was actually coaching um, in our lives and our opportunity to, to grow others. So the difference between, in my mind, constructive feedback and coaching is offering solutions. And that's what has been a big part of my personal journey um, in helping young people to, to grow. I also saw the, when I didn't give that feedback, that people didn't know where they stood um, in their journey or in relationship to me or in, in their mind, in my mind. And that unclarity didn't look like what I hoped it did, which was, oh, of course, they just know that I appreciate them. And so that's what all I really wanted to come and share with everybody today is, is that moment when you look around the room and you see all those hands up, that if you have people in your life, it's our opportunity to, to show kindness by showing uh, clarity in our feedback to bring not just constructive feedback, but some coaching solutions that have worked in our own lives and in others. And I always give this as a final tip that I've learned, learned myself is not everyone's ready to receive that feedback in that moment. Um, and I like to give context around the fact that I'm doing my best to provide clarity because I want to see people in my life grow. And then I like to offer to say, hey, in a week, let's follow up after you've had some time to think about this because people aren't typically ready to receive that feedback. And it's just, it's, it's fundamentally changed the relationships I've had in my life. It's grown me closer with our team members. It's grown our company. And um, it's something that, it's a different flavor of kindness that I wanted to bring today. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Jock. So Barbara Glanz is a certified speaking professional. But here's something interesting. Anybody ever know that there is a Speaker's Hall of Fame? I didn't know that. And uh, Barbara and Ken both are members of the Speaker's Hall of Fame. She's been a teacher all her life. And uh, she's authored many books, including co-authoring a book with Ken uh, titled The Simple Truths of Service. And there's a YouTube video about that with five million hits because it's just that uh, wonderful to see. Uh, her clients number in the hundreds, uh, including, and I just pulled them off, trying not to go in alphabetical order, American Honda Motor Company, Nordstrom, Delta Airlines, Bank of America, I mean, literally pages. So, um, Barbara, thank you, and share with, some, uh, with us. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's been a long day, and just a really exciting challenging, thought-provoking, and, and hopeful. Don't you feel hopeful with all these wonderful things going on? But I thought I'd take a little bit different tack today. I've been blessed to do keynoting all over the, the world, actually. And lately, I've been speaking on creating a culture of kindness because I think it's so desperately needed, especially in our corporate environments. Um, and I thought I would share with you today some of the really simple models and tools that I use in my speaking to really help people understand what can they do and how can they do it right away to be kinder people. 
So first of all, we know a lot of the benefits of kindness, better relationships, better health, and really impact on bottom line. So kindness is really all about choice. And one of the beliefs I have is that most people in our world today do not get what I call in their guts, that they have choices. I think we've pretty much created a whole society of victims. Are you seeing that? You know, everybody seems to have an, an excuse <clears throat> or someone to blame. And so one of my goals when I speak is to really help people leave understanding that they have choices. We may not be able to control most of our circumstances, but we can always cho control our response to them. And I'd love to tell a story about my husband. He had two friends that commuted to downtown Chicago every day for 19 years, five days a week. They went on the same train. They went to the newsstand, bought a, a paper from the same guy. Every day, one of the guys would say to the guy at the newsstand, hi, Joe, how are you? What'd you think of the Cubs? How's your family? Never once in 19 years, five days a week, did Joe ever learn his name or respond to him in any other way than a grunt? So my husband's other friend finally said, how can you day after day after day be nice to this guy who doesn't even acknowledge your presence on the face of the earth? And the other friend said, you know, I learned a long time ago not to let someone else control my behavior. Not to let someone else control my behavior. I think of that story every single day because what it says to me is no matter what anybody in this world says or does to me, I always have a choice in how I respond. Now, I'm a very visual person. I like hands-on kinds of things. So a number of years ago, I created a very simple model, actually for myself to begin with, because I wanted to be able to see and measure the difference I could make every single day. And so I created this little three-column chart. It has a minus column, a zero column, and a plus column. And down below it says, your choice in every interaction. So every time we interact with anybody, we have a choice. We can discount that person, make them feel less important than us or our organization. We can just take care of their business. And I call those people slot fillers. They come in, they do just enough to get by. There's no passion, no excitement, and it really is just a zero. But every time we make what I call a human-level connection, and we say to that person, I see you, you are a value, you exist, that is creating a plus for that person. And folks, I'd like you to leave with that tattooed in your brain because it's so much fun to live your life that way. Always trying to create a plus. And so as we think about that, um, I, I had a wonderful experience. I was speaking um, in downtown Chicago. We stayed for lunch afterwards. My husband was able to go with me that day. And the young man who waited on us had his name badge, Mario. And second or third time he came to our table, I said, gosh, Mario, you're doing a great job. And I love your smile. 
And he stood up real tall. He stopped. He said, well, you can just call me Super Mario. <laughs> and it was so precious. The rest of the hour, he was Super Mario, just flitting around, talking to everybody, doing everything he could to help them. And so it's such a, a gift. I think that is the gift we have every day in every interaction that we have. And then the other story I often share, too. I walked into the women's washroom, cold, snowy, snowy February day in, in O'Hara, Chicago, and there was a woman cleaning, and she was like this. So I walked up to her, touched her on the arm, looked her right in the eyes, and I said to her, thank you so much for keeping this restroom clean. You're really making a difference for all of us who travel. She perked up. She started cleaning like this. And by the time I got ready to go, folks, she was handing towels out to all the people who were washing their hands. And I left with tears in my eyes because that cost me nothing. But what did I tell her in that one statement? Yeah, she was a value. And again, if we can live our lives that way, and we've been talking about this all day long, making those human level connections to say to someone, I see you, you count for something. Now, my master's degree is in adult learning, so I always like to have an anchor for my audiences. And so I use an acronym for the word kind. The K is kinesthetic. So it's touch body language, eye contact, a smile. I love the little thought. A smile is a window that shows your heart is at home. And so when we share a smile, we can just make such a difference. And I have a, a challenge to myself when I walk down the, the uh, terminals. I try to make every person that I see smile. Drives my kids crazy. <laughs> but it's fun. The, the I is for imaginative. And so getting creative about what we can do to surprise people with our kindnesses. The city of Kansas City has started a kindness campaign. They've passed out buttons that say kindness is contagious all over the city to all kinds of people, children in grade schools, moms at home, business people, college students, and they've told them wear the button until somebody does something kind and then pass it on. After the first year of doing this, they trace the buttons to 12 different countries. And I'm not sure it's connected. They think it is. But the crime rate in greater Kansas City went down a whole bunch of percents um, during that time. And now it's in the schools. They have the kindest Kansas City in, the kindest school in Kansas City. It's a wonderful, wonderful project. Um, a, a company called Booster Juice in Canada. Anybody from Canada here? Okay, they decided, the owner decided that she would do 22 days of kindness. Why 22 days? Anybody know? It takes 21 days to create a habit. So 22 days. For every person who worked for her, they got one shift a week paid that they all they had to do was to do kind things for people. And they did such creative things. They washed the windows of the neighboring businesses. They went out in the parking lot, washed cars. Some of them carried uh, signs down the expressway. Um, they just had the most wonderful time. Then the community got involved, and the media got involved. And so it created this huge spiral of kindness in their city. 
city. I found out Mercedes-Benz realized that many of their, their um, employees, especially on the line, had never driven a Mercedes car. And so they decided that they would provide a Mercedes car for every single employee to drive for 48 hours. And they could choose any time. It could be a birthday, an anniversary. But again, recognizing them as important and being kind. The N is neighborly. Think about the best neighbor that you've ever had. And of course, right away, I think of dear, dear Mr. Rogers. And if you haven't seen the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, watch it. Have your Kleenex there. And then State Farm, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And the D is the most important one of all, folks, because it's deliberate. And we've talked about intentionality today. I think random acts of kindness are wonderful, but I want you to do deliberate acts of kindness. And so you've got to have a plan. And I have all kinds of ideas for plans, but I want to tell you one plan that I share with every audience that I love. It's so simple. So when you get up in the morning, you put five pennies in this pocket. Every time you do something kind for someone, you move a penny over here. And you don't go to bed at night till all five pennies are in this pocket. There is a wonderful quotation from Mother Teresa that has become a philosophy of life for me. She says, be kind and merciful. Let no one ever come to you without coming away better and happier. So have a personal strategy. Let no one ever come to you personally without coming away a little better and a little happier. But you can also have a business strategy. So let no one ever come to your organization without coming away a little better and a little happier. One other quick model I use, I call the human business model. Again, it says every interaction has two levels, the business level of meeting whatever the person's external objectives are, but there's also the human level, which is all about how they feel in that interaction. That was brought up earlier with the Maya Angelou quote. But you can get your business taken care of a lot of different places. So where do you want to go to do your business? Isn't it going to be a place that makes you feel good? And so let no one ever come to your organization without coming away a little better and a little happier. So in this wonderful world of ours, when we can be anything, please be kind. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, now I have the privilege of introducing Ken Blanchard. Uh, he's been referenced because anybody who's in business knows Ken Blanchard. And I've had the privilege of uh, knowing Ken and uh, being his pastor for 10 years. And uh, so I'm delighted. So let me just say a few things about you. Uh, it, he, he's all about kindness through servant leadership. He shares his insightful and powerful message with audiences around the world through speeches, consulting services, and best-selling best books. Ken is characterized by his friends, colleagues, and clients as one of the most influential and compassionate leadership experts in the world. And uh, I, and so 
many others know him as a mentor and a friend and a, an example of kindness in action. And I will just tell you, when I said, why don't you call someone? Ken has called me many times just to say, I was thinking about you. You're on my list. Um, how are things going? You're doing great. And uh, so it means so much to me, Ken. Welcome, Ken Blanchard. Well, it's just great being here. This has been a, a pretty amazing day, and she's pretty special, isn't this, Nadia? Uh, the, uh, my, my title in our company is I'm the Chief Spiritual Officer, uh, and uh, we have about 320 people in an office in London and Toronto and presence over all around the world. And, and where did that come from? Well, I had lunch a number of years ago with Max Dupree, the legendary chairman of Herman Miller, and I said, what's your job as a chairman of this great country, company? He said, Ken, I have to be like a third grade teacher. I have to say the vision and values over and over and over again until people get it right, right, right. And I thought, wow, that's really a powerful thing. And it, what I ought to be doing as the head of this company is setting a vision and keep on mentioning it. And so I took on the title of chief spiritual officer and uh, I leave a morning message for everybody every single day. And I do three things, which I think get at kindness and all. First of all, I tell people who to pray for. People tell me if they got a kid that's hurting, a parent that's hurting and all that. And I tell you, when people know that somebody's hurting, the acts of kindness are just unbelievable coming out from people. And they all create it in their own way. The second thing I do is I praise people. Of all the things I've taught over the years and all the books, if somebody said, Blanche, I'm taking everything away from you, but one thing, what would you hold on to? I think it's the key to developing a great relationship, great organizations, is to catch people doing things right and to accent the positive. And so what I do is I praise people. People tell me people who have done great things and all. And then at the end, I leave an emotional, uh, kind of a little emotional motivational message on something I've read or heard. And also, like I sent a couple of books to a guy in Australia a while back, and he sent me a note, and he said, Ken, you know the business you're in is you're in the business of teaching people the power of love rather than the love of power. And I made a whole message on that. And so it really helps start my day and help people starting to think about what are you going to do, first of all, to reach out to people who are hurting? And what are you going to do out to reach out to people who are doing things well? And then what, what can you be thinking about today that's in a positive thought that can really make a difference? And I think that's really what it is. And to me, kindness really in many ways is love and action. And when I think about it, uh, I just pulled out, some of you know this well, 1 Corinthians 13. You know, if you're, if you're talking to me, that the kindness is love and action. And just listen to this. I, I do this in training with, with uh, couples with kids and everything and have them read this and then say, is your partner missing in any of these things? <laughs> you know, you can talk. But just think about, you know, it, it's all about love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It no, keeps no records of wrongs. It uh, it has it delights, love delights, and e does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. 
It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And I think kindness never fails. I mean, how how have you ever reached out in kindness and and that's been a bad deal? Uh, and uh, I think it's it's just a way to to hear. I think we're put in this world to make a difference in other people's lives. Uh, to me, great leadership, great anything is an inside-out job, and it starts with what's life all about from your standpoint? Is it about you or is it about people around you and all? And so I think that kindness is a way for you to reach out and make a difference in the world and make a difference in people's lives around you. And uh, as Barbara's saying, it just doesn't matter who the person is. It's, it's just reaching out with a smile, with a with a, a nod and all that kind of thing. <laughs> I wrote a book with Norman Vincent Peale. He was 86 years old when I met him. And what an amazing guy. He wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. And we were walking across an airport, and he said, look at that poor woman. She's got a sour puss on her. Let's send her some love. And we looked at her, and all of a sudden, this woman started to smile, you know, from a distance. And, and uh, so uh, I think that, uh, that being kind and being loving is a way of life. And when you get up in the morning, you can say, what, what can I do? And I love Darber's thing. Let's put those pennies from one side to the other. And one of my other favorite quotes that I kind of end with you is, uh, I expect to pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, I can do or any kindness I can show to any fellow creature, let me do it now. Let me not defer or neglect it. For I shall pass this, for shall I not pass this way again? And so, don't don't miss it. Don't miss an opportunity to reach out. And uh, my mother used to say to me, Ken, if you reach out to do something kind to somebody else, don't expect anything back. But she said you'll be amazed at all the good energy that comes back uh, to you because when you send out good, uh, kind, and loving uh, vibes that comes back to you and re-energizes you. And so when I get a chance to work with groups and individuals and all, somebody will say, isn't that exhausting? No, I, I come away completely energized because it all comes back. So remember to be kind. And what I want you to do right now is put your right hand on your left shoulder and your left hand on your right shoulder and give yourself a hug because you're here and you're going to be really kind, and you're going to make a difference, and this is going to be America's finest and kindest city. Hey. Well, uh, thank you all, and we have some time, and uh, I know that there have been, uh, we've done question and answer, and generally a couple people get to speak. I want to give you all a chance to speak. And I want you also to get a chance to um, put some of this into uh, conscious 
thinking, because you've heard a lot today. And so here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Now, you're going to have to work with me. So when I call you back, you're going to have to stop talking and, uh, and come back and sit down. So that's, that's my one. So when I call you, be sure to do that, all right? And then tap somebody and say, he's calling us. So th this, uh, this is what I'd like for you to do. Um, in When I Let You Go, I I'm going to invite you to talk to a couple people, because there are some amazingly smart people in this room. And they're probably strangers to you. One of the most significant things I learned today was that the Bible one time says love your neighbor and 36 times love the, love the stranger. 37, love the stranger. So uh, here's what I want you to think about. Where is one place you would like to be kinder? I'd like to be kinder at. Is it at work? Is it at school? Is it uh, at the, the public places where I walk around and move around? I would like to be kinder at. Or I would like to be kinder to. Who's someone you'd like to be kinder to? And uh, perhaps you're not quite sure how to do that. There's some experts around you. So what I'm going to invite you to do is to stand, find a stranger. It's probably somebody very close. And I want you to say to them, I would like to be kinder to and tell them who. Or I would like to be kinder at and tell them where. And then the other person is going to be a an unpaid consultant. They are going to give you one idea, one idea. Then turn around and do it the other way. And as soon as you're done, raise your hand and another stranger will find you. Find another person. I am going to give you just a couple minutes and I want you to get as many people as you can. All right. So stand up and find someone. I'd like to be kinder to or at. Let me ask you a question as you're getting seated. How many of you met somebody new? How about that? And how many of you How many of you actually got a good answer? Something that you can do that you hadn't thought of before? How about that? Or maybe you thought of it before, but it's going to be an encouragement. Please be seated. I have a very uh, significant way to wrap up. I was asked a very significant question statement uh, that challenged me, and I hope it challenges you. Kindness is not enough. There are systemic issues and concerns that challenge us. And if we say, well, I was kind, but we don't go further, we don't go deeper, we don't make changes, or we work for companies that have policies that hurt, uh, then our kindness has perhaps only medicated us. But I want to say it's a good place to start. And I am going to finish with uh, just a fabulous story. Remember I told you that Barbara has a story that had 5 million 
hits on YouTube, it's because it's such a fabulous story. And I've asked her to finish this up by uh, telling us that story and the fact that it actually has a component that goes beyond kindness to corporate cultural change, changing the system. Thank you, Barbara. Okay. Well, this is a story that happened a number of years ago when I first started speaking. And actually, it's the story that Ken and I wrote the book about, um, The Simple Truths of Service Inspired by Johnny the Bagger. And there have been two movies made of it. One is a 16-minute dramatization and then another shorter one. But it's a story of hope, and kindness is a beginning. And so you'll see that in the story. So I had been asked to speak to 3,000 employees of a large grocery store chain, and they brought everybody, the baggers, the cashiers, the produce people, the meat packers, everybody. And I love when I get to do that because I'm speaking to the whole company. So everybody leaves with the same message on the same page. One of the things I said to them is, what could you do to add your personal signature to your work? What could you do, whatever your job is, to make the customer feel special? And I gave them a bunch of ideas. Well, I give my home phone number to every audience in the world. Never had a bad experience. And about two months after I had spoken, I had a call. And the person on the line told me that his name was Johnny and that he was a bagger in one of the stores. And he also told me he was a person of Down syndrome. He said, Barbara, I liked what you said. And he said he went home that night. He said, I got an idea. And he asked his dad if he would help him. And he decided every night when he goes home to find a thought for the day. And then his dad helps him. They print it out six times on a page. He prints out 50 pages every night, cuts them out, signs his name on the back. And the next day, for every person's groceries he bags, he puts a thought for the day in the bag. Now, I had tears. Well, about a month later, the store manager called me. He said, Barbara, you won't believe what happened this morning. He said, when I went out on the floor at 9.30 this morning, the line at Johnny's checkout was three times longer than any other line. He said, I went ballistic. I was yelling, get more people out there, get more lanes open. And he said, the customer said, no, no, we want to be in Johnny's lane. We want the thought for the day. So he said, who do you think is the most important person in our whole store? He said, one woman even came up and said, I used to just shop once a week, but now I come in every time I go by because I want a thought for the day. (laughs) So you know that impact on bottom line. Three months later, he called me back again, and he said, Barbara, you and Johnny have transformed our store. He said, now in the floral department, when they have a broken off flower or an unused corsage, we have to just throw them away. He said, now they go out on the floor, and they find an older woman or a little girl, and they pin it on her. He said, one of our meat packers loves Snoopy, so we ordered 50,000 Snoopy stickers, and every time he packages a piece of meat, his meat gets a Snoopy sticker on it. And I said, I don't know about dog stickers on meat. (laughs) But he said, we are having so much fun, and our customers are having so much fun. 
End of the story, and I don't use name or location because Johnny's parents have asked me not to. And this isn't in the book, but end of the story, a few years ago, the manager called me and he said they had, and it's a small store, he said they had just won the award for the very best store in the entire United States. And all because of one little guy doing something extra, something kind, something that made people feel wonderful. And you see how that kindness spread and changed the entire culture of the store. So my belief is, if little Johnny can do it, no reason why every single one of us in this room can't do it as well. Thank you. Thank you. And would you thank the panel? Thank you all. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.